This is an excerpt from the Tao Te Ching, written probably by Lao Tzu in the 6th century before the Common Era. If there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. I've always loved this. I tried to explain just a few days ago why I studied comparative religion back in the day, and it was because of finding wisdom like this. Our minds and hearts, the details of our beings, the current state of our soul is woven with our home, with our neighborhoods, our cities, our nation, and our world. We are not isolated or alone. And the disturbances, the violence, the imbalances which exist on every level reverberate and resonate with all the other levels. This week, we know this especially clearly. As the news of the death of Tyree Nichols, as the news of shootings in California, so much senseless violence, still more senseless violence. We are reminded of this connection. And facing this unfaceable reality, we are called to cultivate peace within our hearts. With the ongoing evolving war in Ukraine, with our worship last week, with our partners in Deshvalva, more than 4,400 miles away, we know that we are connected, that our struggles and joys of all of this human family, that they are ours. The grief, ours. The joy, Hours. I felt this clearly recently on a road trip while I listened to the story of a couple who are torn apart by the war in Ukraine. Esther Perel is a marriage counselor who was working with a Ukrainian couple who agreed to share their story. I stumbled across it through another podcast, but it's available in a couple different places, and we'll post it in next week's worship email. I commend to you the whole episode. Alonia and Andrew are Ukrainians who have been separated by the war. Andrew and their 18-year-old son were not allowed to leave the country, but Alonia and their 16-year-old son were. And so the family made the impossible decision to have Alonia and their younger son flee to France. 
At the time of the recording, many months ago now, they had already been separated for more than a half a year. Andrew, the father, says, Every day you go to bed and think, Maybe in this night I will die. Because you don't know what's going on in the night, because every week we hear a special signal. When Russian rockets come to Ukraine, we have a signal and we need to be in a safe place. Sometimes I hear it and I try to be helpful for my eldest son, Mark. I try to connect with him because I see here inside now he's not open. He's so focused on himself, can't talk anymore. He just says, I'm okay, I'm okay. But it hurts because I understand his struggle inside. He's a kid. He's 18, but he's still a kid to me. He's too young to handle this situation. And I am the chief of my family. I need to be strong. I can't be like, okay, guys, I have a problem. I need to protect him, to protect my wife, protect my youngest son. Every evening we talk on Skype, and it's a little bit better. It's a little place of peace in our lives. And Esther, the therapist, says, I listen to him, and I get chills because it's so common to hear men in conversations about masculinity and power and control. When I hear him talking, it's, I have to be strong because that's how I protect my family. I must choke my tears. I cannot be too weak. I cannot be soft. I cannot let myself feel fear because I have to protect these others. Andrew continues, I try to live day by day because you think you have to schedule this day, you do it, and in the evening time we speak with your family, you see each other, you try and joke a little bit, and Esther interrupts. She says, does your son know some of what you are experiencing? Because if you don't tell him anything, he may not have the language like you do. He may think there's only one answer, because you keep telling him, I'm okay, I'm okay, so that becomes the code of the house. Everything's fine with you, so everything must be fine with him. But if one time you were able to say maybe, today was a very hard day, and then maybe he can say, it was a hard day for me too. Even in the midst of war, this father and this son have the task of cultivating this peace in their heart to be able to see and feel and articulate the fullness or even a glimpse of what they are facing. Later, Alonia, the wife, says, I feel like it's difficult to unblock at this time. My husband was always vulnerable, and he would easily cry, but at this time it feels like he's frozen. There's some days when Andrew can share a bit deeper. He's always ready to hear my crying and my pain because he was and is the closest person in my life. 
but sometimes I feel I don't know how to approach what questions to ask because I'm afraid that if I start unfolding this pain, then I will not know how to help him because he's so far. I can't hug him. I can't embrace him. In the moment, I'm numb and can't handle things. And Esther says, numbness is not always that you can't handle things. Numbness is sometimes an adaptive response to the moment. Him saying to you, it's too painful if I allow myself to feel how much I miss you. That's not numbness, that's actually being in it. Even if he doesn't cry like you do, though he did before, why can I not feel all of these things that I'm feeling? I can't bring my wife back, but I can get food into the shelf on the supermarket. This is his job in the war right now. He works in logistics, bringing food to supermarkets. He feels important, part of the struggle. It is hard here to imagine the struggle of this family. It's hard to imagine living with the daily possibility that you may die that your beloved husband and son so many miles away may die, facing the unfaceable. But we do. Over and over we do. We can face anything. I often think of Mandela in his prison cell for so many years, circumstances beyond his control, repeating over and over the poem Invictus. In my hardest times, I do too. Sometimes a red flag if the poem comes to me, but <laughs> I imagine him there in that tiny cell repeating these words. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. But I have to tell you how the episode ends. How they cultivate this peace in the heart. With all this fear, all this pain, all this numbness, all this challenge, Esther says to them, once a week, you have a date on a fantasy island where you don't touch any of these subjects because they're too big and too difficult and too painful and they're filled with uncertainty. Maybe you don't talk. Maybe you listen to music together. Maybe you watch a movie. Maybe you dance in your own places, but each with each other. You like to dance, she says. You smiled when I said that. And Alonia says, we danced together, actually. And he says, when I met Alonia, I just saw, like, she danced, and she was beautiful dancing. I like dance. She likes dance. We are crazy when we are dancing. 
And Esther says, so you each make a playlist and you just put the music on and you dance for an hour instead of talking about all this impossible, huge existential quandary. Just give yourself hope and energy and poetry. Doesn't answer the big questions, but it keeps you connected on a different level. And that's also important. Freedom comes to our imagination, especially when you can't feel free in reality. Your mind and your body are two means, two vehicles through which you can stay connected to the world of possibility. She continues in her closing narration and says, At one moment, I'm thinking, like, on what basis do I know anything about this? I'm not from there. I've never lived in a war, but my parents did. My parents each spent four to five years in concentration camps, and so did their entire group of friends and community that I grew up in. And I spent years asking people, how did you do it? How did you wake up in the morning? How did you maintain hope? What kept you going? Did you ever laugh? Did you ever have fun? Those things that are irrelevant, that seem somehow taboo to talk about when people are in the midst of suffering, and yet it's playfulness and it's humor and curiosity and joy. These are the strategies that intensify joy from the sense of awe you see when you look at the sky to the gratitude you have for simple things in front of you to the people you think about that you hope to reunite with. Those are the precise strategies that are beyond mindfulness and beyond breathing. People have experienced existential stress for forever and have developed these practices to counter that music, prayer, Singing, poetry, composing in the midst of all of that creativity and art and creation. These are the hardware for facing hardship. This is how we cultivate peace in the heart and peace in the home and in the neighborhood, in the city, in the nation. Even when peace in the nations seems so far off, peace in the heart is available. Facing this particular existential stress, we choose music and poetry and prayer. We choose laughter and connection, remembering and return. Not that this choice, not that this cultivation will automatically result in peace in our home and on any of those other levels. As loved ones spiral out of control, as relationships disintegrate or transform into new and different forms, sometimes we cannot control our outward circumstance, but we can choose how we face it. And we can face it together. Joined in humor and dance and love and prayer, rooted in and nourished by spiritual practice, rooted in and nourished by this loving community. Amen.